Welcome to the how the why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, artists, and publishers that make up and inspire the 1888 family. 1888 serves as a regional catalyst for the preservation, presentation, and promotion of cultural heritage and literary arts. Let's get creative. Welcome to the How, the Why, brought to you by 1888. My name is John Barrett Ingalls, and today I am connected with a trio of wonderful women, uh, Alexis Pauline Gums, Maya Williams, and China Martins, all co-editors of Revolutionary Mothering. Thank you, ladies, so much for taking the time to all come together to coalesce for this phenomenal conversation. Yeah, thank you for connecting us all across state yeah. Now, why don't we all, everybody take a, a, a moment, to, because we are, everybody is spread out, and uh, introduce yourself and, and tell us uh, where you are located in this conversation. And we'll, we'll, we'll start with Alexis. Okay, I'm, I'm Alexis, Pauline Gums, and... I am right now in a car with my very own revolutionary mother, Pauline McKenzie, and we are en route from Charlotte to Durham, which is where I live usually and where we're um, getting ready to have a Mother's Day event tomorrow. My mom is a featured guest. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty apropos that we're having this conversation the day before Mother's Day. I'm I'm excited about that. Um, in China, where are you currently? Okay, I'm in the um, the Culver City Metro to get on it and meet Tansa Connie, one of the contributors to the book for the first time, and then where we'll also meet Maya at the OC Anarchist Book Fair and do a workshop together, which is like really the last one of um, this this leg of the tour. Normally, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, so I, it is the first time to L.A., so I know nothing about what I'm doing right now. Oh. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> well, I know something. I know how to get on the train. <laughs> <laughs> and Maya, uh, so you're in Southern California currently right now as well? I am. Um, actually, it's funny because I have been spending most of my time hanging out in Van Nuys in North Hollywood, but today I am in the high desert visiting my aunt um, and my basically my father's family, who I haven't seen in 20 years. Um, and I will be going out to Orange County and we'll be doing the workshop in, at the Orange County Anarchist Book Fair later today. And then we'll be out in uh, Boyle Heights uh, doing a reading with Michelle Gonzalez. Uh, um, all right, let's 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 talk a little bit about the book, Revolutionary Mothering. How, how did the entire thing come together? Who was the one? I mean, I know, Maya, you kind of created a, a version of this, like a, a, a earlier version. How did the whole thing come together to create what we have now? Well, it was definitely a collaborative process. Um, uh, so 
um, in, yeah, in uh, 2007, after my daughter was born, um, we were at a, con at a conference for Insight, and there I sat in a workshop called Revolutionary Motherhood. Um, and in that workshop, um, where we sat with like 15 other, you know, revolutionary mothers and their children and had this really amazing workshop. And so about six months later, I decided I wanted to do a zine called Revolutionary Motherhood based on the spirit of uh, the workshop that had been run by Young Women's United. So I put out a call for submissions and uh, China and submitted and uh, Lex submitted, um, Vicky Law, who's also in the book, submitted, a young um, Michaela uh, submitted, who's in the book as well. And so, I mean, in the, yeah, in the book as well. And so that was sort of the zine of it. And then about a year later, um, Lex and I had been in conversation online for a couple of years talking about mothering and talking about birth. Uh, talking about uh, the work I had done, like organizing mothering communities globally, and the work that she had done, um, her research with uh, 1970s, 1980s black feminism, and we came together and said, okay, let's do a book based on this work. Um, and that book was, you know, and coming out of revolutionary motherhood. And so seven years later, after we had that initial conversation, is the book has manifested itself into the you know, third dimensional world. So it's really an amazing process. And we brought China. We, I asked China to join us. Sorry, I should say that. I asked China to join us about a year and a half after we initially decided we wanted to do this book. So it came the three of us. Aside from what you took from the initial zine, how, how, how did you uh, spread your net to find all these amazing writers? Well, some of, some of the way that we came together initially and also how we found some of the core writers who are represented in the book is because these conversations about mothering were really percolating through these different spaces. So the work that Insight was doing was definitely important to that, as Maya mentioned. And also all three of us have been involved in different ways with the Allied Media Conference, and we had also been involved in online networks with other folks who were writing about mothers, especially mamas of color. So some of the writers who are represented in the book, and I, I mean, I really feel like the book itself couldn't exist without this, this community of conversations that were happening. So that was definitely an important space that we felt really accountable to and that we feel really grateful to in this moment and are excited to um, have the book as part of a representation of a much broader conversation that could be literally like 17 encyclopedias that in terms of all of the amazing blog posts and scenes and publications that um, Mamas of Color have been making. But then we also put out a call for submissions, and we initially had thought we were going to call the book This Bridge Called My Baby in homage, in a sense, to the anthology This Bridge Called My Back, which was an anthology published in the early 1980s by Cherie Moraga and Gloria Anzaldúa, and really a founding, a founding anthology for the Radical Women of Color writers' movement at that time. And so we, we were thinking about this anthology in a, in a different way um, as speaking back to that anthology, but also as doing some groundwork for what we saw as a radical mothering movement that we were excited to be part of and inspired by and that we were seeing, we were seeing, um, we were seeing all of this production. And I think it's also important to say that we were also sometimes seeing the writer, the writing of those mothers of color co-opted 
by um, other mainstream out- outlets and also by white feminists without giving credit. And so in a way, the book was, was also a way to say, like, this is, this is actually some institutional space for this conversation that's very wide-ranging but also very transformative and has a lot of energy that's going a lot of different directions. And then people who we had not come across in that conversation also felt attracted to the call for submissions and sent work. And um, as China always talks about, there was we just felt really grateful for every single person that sent anything, and it was way more than could ever fit in one book. And it was actually more than we could we could cohere into kind of a a, a solid document. Um, the contribution that we wanted to make to this wide ranging conversation, we wanted to have some focus to it. So it was really the work of all of us in completely different places. You know, we had. I mean, when we put the manuscript together, we hadn't ever had a meeting in person because Maya has been living like everywhere in the world, and I've been living in Durham, and China's been living in Baltimore, and so we were just on Skype and on email and on Google Chat figuring out how do we choose what we choose, how do we make this into something that we feel like will be really valuable for this community that we feel so inspired by and so grateful to be a part of. Now, let's... I'm going to have you each uh, talk a little bit about your backgrounds and, and what led you. I know you're you, you've all you're all writers, you're all life experienced, um, and I'd love to get a little bit of that to lead to uh, where we are now with with this book and this topic in particular. Uh, we'll start with China. Um, yeah, I would love to speak now, and then maybe after that I should get off because I feel like I'm causing a lot of noise by being on the metro. <laughs> No, it's giving it a feel of of life. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, this is great because I've been feeling really emotional and, like, cheerful and processing a lot of things, like being on tour um, with the power of this book, but then feeling kind of like a long journey and feeling um, what zines are and what it is to put your words out there and feeling really grateful for my background in zines that um, I'm 50 years old, and I started my first zine in 19... 89, um, when my daughter was a year old. She was born in 1988, and it took me about a year to um, manifest my idea of a zine called The Future Generation, uh, a zine for subculture parents, kids, friends, and others, because I was looking I was looking for um, other people to talk to, kind of coming from a background of anarchism um, and a collective community uh, liberation ideas. Like, I was, I was young at that point, young, youngish. I was 22. Um, and I wanted to move forward as a mother um, and as a radical. And so I was looking for other people making that zine. And just all this time, like, zines have always been a way that I can express myself, even if I just have a print run of, like, 50 copies or five copies. And, and uh, nobody um, – you can – you don't have to ask anybody's permission. And, and it feels like so much um, is not being reported or reported wrongly in mainstream media. And zines give you that power. To, um, to start your own story in no matter what kind of form. And, um, and so, like, flash way, way later, you know, as my daughter became a teenager and different things happened, um, finally I was getting a little bit of uh, recognition um, for my writing, which, uh, which writing as a mother, uh, it really wasn't getting any recognition or, or, or a little bit, like, really meaningful. That's wrong to say, but it was, it was small. It was small and meaningful, but it wasn't, like, the dominant system um wasn't any acknowledgement um 
and and our lives also being a strong a struggle as like a single mother um and single daughter and and being on welfare and just different things are just normal life struggle so so flash forward like the first time I went to the allied media conference um I heard about a, a group called speak and they had uh, put together a compilation um and it had mothers of color and women of color trans women of color um and they it was a fundraising thing where they were supporting the the mothers and the children getting there and through through that and through a lot of people there that I met for the first time like Megan Lamita Mala um uh who's just really important to me um I found out about the radical women of color blogosphere that there is this whole blogging uh heritage and, and community cuz I I really wasn't familiar like to me blogs were strange like I was a purely print person mm. um so I didn't know that blogs had that community so I guess that's 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 my link um, up to this moment to being in this incredibly powerful project that is uh, I I think like the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in my life now being on tour and and seeing what this book means to people the the little tiny bit that we're trying to give back and how much is out there the power um, so I guess that's that's it for me. <laughs> my, no, it's, it's wonderful. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure. Were you writing before you had your daughter? You know, I was, but I didn't have the discipline. <laughs> like, I always wanted to be a writer since I was like eight years old. That was my goal. Um, but I think mothering, being a mother, gave me discipline because I had, um, and also it, it was imperative to our survival. I think. You know, before that, I felt like I was always reading other people's things, and uh, especially with zines. I never had a reason to make my own zine. I, I never could say anything. Everybody was already saying something about a topic. But with where I was in life, I wasn't reading anything that was saying what I needed to survive um, and what I needed in my experiences. So the motherhood definitely gave me um, actually disciplined writing. And the only writing out there that's really known of mine is radical uh, parenting community stuff. And that's why as a empty nester now, as 50 years old, I'm trying to develop my own self-discipline to write about all the other things that I'm always writing about too. Um, but I didn't have the same push of necessity to exist. And Maya, how did uh, uh, being a mother affect you and, and, and change and, and create your journey? And I know your journey kind of influenced you to be a mother as well. Yeah, um, you know, I, I mean, I have to say that it, my desire to be a mother, which was a very strong desire at one point, I mean, still is, but obviously manifested itself, um, became um, abundant and imperative because I was working in communities um, both in Palestine and then in East Congo. Um, both in conflict war zones where I was doing supposedly like community building and community organizing and workshopping with uh, communities uh, who were under the threat of violence. And in those communities, I kept seeing over and over again that the people who were the, the people who were the actual strength and organizing center of those communities were mothers. So for me, it seems like this sort of natural extension that if I wanted to be a really good community builder and community organizer, if I wanted to actually, the work I wanted to do was so tied 
to the mothers that I was working with that I wanted to be one, you know. Um, and so I did. I got pregnant while I was working in the West Bank um, in 2006. And then um, after that, both, I mean, pregnancy and birth and especially those first few months of motherhood um, became it became so clear to me how, I mean, I had seen sort of the the, the strength and the beauty of mothering, but I, I, it wasn't until I sort of experienced the, the physical and structural trauma of actually entering into motherhood, quote-unquote motherhood, as a, like, black working-class person that I started to understand, like, the level of trauma and violence that also comes into for many of us entering into this space, and I, I didn't see that, the I didn't see the fullness of what I had experienced reflected anywhere in in writing or in any kind of media, any representation that I could take with me, and that could help me um, understand and work through what it was I was experiencing. It was like I was dealing with something that was very unnamed, you know. Mm. And so that really became the impetus for me. Um, the book itself now I, is basically a manifestation of my desire in which I said I want I wanted to be a book out there that would be the book I wanted to see when I was first pregnant um, and when I first became a mother. Um, and that has sort of been the driving force uh, behind the work is sort of looking at how how we navigate these systems as mothers, how do we navigate these systems as mothers on the margins, as poor, as queer, as mothers of color? Um, how do we stay in community and conversation with each other? Um, and so, and also I should say in this time as well, I became, you know, I started working as a midwife and a doula and sort of working um, in ways to sort of allow for mothers to allow for people to become mothers, to, to give birth to their children outside of the sort of uh, medical institutions of violence, out, and, you know, in order to, to sort of create some sort of protective barrier for people to enter into motherhood or into, enter into mothering in a more, um, just in a more protected space, in a more loving space, in a, in a more empowered and liberating space. So um, that's sort of, I mean, that's, that's the work that sort of brought me to wanting to create, you know, first the zine and then, I mean, there was a blog for Revolutionary Motherhood in which we, like, showcased the work of, of a lot of the members of, like, Speak and, like, Mothers from AMC and uh, YW, uh, Young Women's United and all of the sort of, like, blogging that was happening in, especially in the mid to late, was that, yeah, mid to late, I don't know, between like, 2006 and 2012, let's say. Um, and, yeah, so that's what's just been, been, been the work I've been most focused on. And on the ground that on the ground I was living in Egypt for most of that time and so it mainly just looked like me working as a midwife as um doing both helping with birth as well as abortion um and living and working with mothers during, you know, a, a conflict situation during living through the Cairo revolution, the Egyptian revolution. Mm. And um, you know, us creating community together you know, while at the same time trying to support, you know, because for us, I just want to say this because I feel like, you know, for us as mothers, I, I think we articulate a lot. The reason that we were so invested in the Egyptian revolution was, be was because that revolution and that 
potential, which it did not occur, but that potential for liberation would be the liberation for our children themselves, you know? Like, right. my daughter was three when the Egyptian Revolution started, and she was in school, and she would come, and when she, and, um, and when she went back, they closed school down for a week, but when she went back to school, to her, her, her preschool, first off, the preschool opened up the school while there was still violence happening in the streets, because they said they wanted a place for the children to come while the, while the parents were out in the streets uh, fighting. Wow. So that was the first thing is that even the preschool itself became a liberatory space. But also, uh, when my daughter would come home from preschool after we'd been out in the streets and we went and picked up, she'd be walking around and rather than playing fairy and unicorn games, she was playing like what we, what she called the square game and like walking around with her Egyptian flag marching in a circle <laughs> yelling freedom, freedom in Arabic. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, I think, so for me, that's all sort of the sort of same work of like work, working with mothers to sort of create that sort of space that allows the liberation to happen for the community, for our children, and for ourselves. That's yeah. Impressive. I mean, I think, and maybe this is something that we can get into in a you know a little later in the conversation. But as a, a parent and being so close to that, you know, I have a, a, a daughter as well. That's as there's got to be this multitude of emotions of you know that protective quality, but still wanting to make a difference. And I'm that's I'm what this book is about. Yeah, um, very much. And if, Alexis, you've been an activist pretty much your in, entire life, and and was that from uh, your mother and the passion that she in in well, what's the word? Gabe, like, birthed you, basically? I mean, I think so. My my mom, it's so funny because my mom's right here. I'm talking, I'm talking about her. Um, so if you hear her correct me, that means I was wrong. But um, my mom has told me that when she was pregnant with me, she would talk about how um, her intention was for me to be a person who would change the world and have a positive mm -hmm. impact on the world. And I think that's revolutionary in and of itself, you know, to be kind of preparing for birth with that, with that kind of intentionality and speaking those types of possibilities. I think that for a lot of people, that's the case. It, it may not be explicitly spoken or articulated, but I think that that is really, I mean, as you say, it, that is really the context that I was birthed into and my mother did create that. And then also growing up, I think the, the way that I accessed it was really through language and through words, right? And so my mom had, like, if they come for me in the morning, you know, the um, collection of prison writings in, in, in terms of freeing Angela Davis, like, visible in the house, right? And Alice Walker and Enzizaki Shange and, you know, all of these revolutionary black feminist writers those books were always around me. Like, I, I don't have a time where I, I didn't have to go um, and seek those things because they, they really were part of my foundation. And so when I was in high school and I was reading, you know, started reading Audre Lorde very obsessively and, you know, everything I wrote had an epigraph from Audre Lorde. Like, I just felt like her work was so useful and it was so clear to me how the work that I wanted to do was building on the work that she had done as a literary foremother she has this phrase that captivates me always where she says, we can learn to mother ourselves. And mm. I remember fixating on that phrase and it's not over, you know, like 
that's the title of my dissertation. <laughs> that's the I just I just did a workshop called Mother Ourselves like two days ago, right? Like I am always thinking about that as a frame. And it really had me think about this idea for me, how I think about transforming the world does have everything to do with my mother and my relationship with my mother. But it also I also was seeing that as a major theme in the writing of other black women writers. And I found that to be important because historically the the definition of motherhood in the United States has been really complicated, right? And the way that blackness was reproduced as slavery in the United States was literally by law if your mother was an enslaved person. That is mm. how your definition from birth becomes enslaved status, right? So, like, who your mother is, what mothering is, what a mother, like, who your mother is, is completely significant in terms of reproducing a system of oppression was really deep to me. And then at the same time, seeing that the actual work of mothering was something that was criminalized and taken away from black people over and over and over again, right? That the mothers of enslaved people had no right to speak up for them in court, that they had no right to continue to mother the people they were mothering because people could be sold, the mother themselves could be sold, right? That, that kind of violence. So while mothering is so definitive historically, it also is this historical site of major division and rupture. And so thinking about what mothering means has been, I mean, I know I'm going to always be thinking about it, but looking for these examples through black feminist writing was um, the, the first way that I really got involved in it. And I feel like, you know, as the person, one of the few people involved in this book in any way, and as the only editor who hasn't, who isn't a mother in the traditional way that it's understood, even though I do feel honored to participate in the mothering of many people in my community. Right. I feel so much gratitude because it's like I actually get to and, and becoming becoming a mother by giving birth is, is an intention that I have that hopefully will be happening in the near future. Although everything happens in its, own, in its own time. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel so incredibly blessed because my practice of doing that and thinking about that, of course, is informed by my mother and the and the revolutionary tradition of all of my foremothers, but it's also informed by Everybody involved in this book, the process of this book, what I've learned from my co-editors, seeing them be mothers and writers at the same time, and from the actual content of this book, and from all the miracles that are happening as we share this book everywhere. Like, I feel like I'm having the, like, greatest mothering initiation that I could ever dream of because of this legacy that we're stepping into, which mm -hmm. is a legacy of a legacy of the people that we're working with right now in terms of the people who have made this book possible and the people we're sharing with it with now, but also the work that this book does to connect this contemporary work to the earlier work of mothering that goes back generations and generations and generations. Like we say in the book, what we're calling mothering is older than the category woman, right? It's like the oldest thing that our species knows. How do we create life for each other? How do we make life possible for each other? So I feel like it's, it's a huge gift. It, it, it certainly comes out of my background and how my mother herself and the mothering that I've experienced through the black feminist literary tradition has made my work possible. But I also feel like my mothering practice is enabled and blessed and made possible by the work that this book does. Now, there's a line that, that I read in the book, and I'm, I'd love for you all to just speak on it. I mean, we're unfortunately running out of time, but... Uh, 
the, the line uh, defining mothering in a particular way as a radical and revolutionary practice. And just, you know, give me a little bit of what that means to each of you. Well, we'll start with, uh, uh, is, I don't, is China still with us? No, we'll start with Maya. <laughs> okay. I thought China was still there. Okay. Um, well, I don't um, hear the train yeah. noise anymore, so maybe she uh, was I, in a tunnel. I know. I just thought she'd put it on mute, though. Like, um, but yeah, I can I can speak to that for a second. Um, mothering. Let me see. How do I put this? For me, mothering is, as I've said before, is the act of showing up time and time and time and time and time again. And that's the same type of, of, of work that we have to do in revolutionary practice. It's actually the primal, the primary work that we do in mm. revolutionary practice is that, you know, it's not a one-time event, you know. It's not, it's, we don't just stay when it's cute and fun and easy and affirming. We, we stay there through the, enti- through the entire battle of it. And the same thing happens with mothering. And, you know, I just want to say, well, the first day I, I got here, um, I, um, I heard about Afeni Shakur's passing, and um, Afeni Shakur, um, her work was one of those, one of her her work and the Shakur's work in general has been really was really vital to me as um, a teenager and especially in my early 20s and imagining the type of mothering I wanted to do. My father comes out of the Black Panther tradition, um, and one of the things that is that has always impressed me is that um, is that that ability or that requirement or simply that simply force, um, I think that June Jordan says, you know, love is life force, that force mm-hmm. to simply bring forth and show up time and time and time again. Um, and to do the work of caretaking and to do the work of nurturing um, that allows for movements and children and communities and social transformation to happen, you know. And I think part of the work of this book is to sort of shift how we are normally talking about revolution. And I mean, I've worked in, you know, I worked in the, Antif- I worked in the Antifada in Palestine, and I worked during the revolution in Egypt, and I've, I've, I've worked with the Zapatistas a bit as well down in southern Mexico. And the work that I see that actually allows for those movements to have any kind of legs and to have any kind of influence is that day-to-day nurturing that allows for um, it to continue um, week after week, year after year, generation after generation. Um, and so for me, that is the radical and revolutionary act. It's not um, – one of the things that my father did, I just want to say this real quick, is that he um, started in his college, his little college that he went to in Southern California, um, he started – the free breakfast program for the children in that college um, who are going to school um, in the preschool there, and he started the the daycare, free daycare for single mothers so that they were able to come to college and get an education. And I love that because um, in the black radical tradition, I feel like we we hold up certain images of what revolution looks like, you know, sort of the sticks in the air and the gun in the sky and that whole thing. But the real work that sustained you know, so in that case, my my father's actually doing this radical mothering before he was my father, obviously, um, doing that radical mothering. And I think that that is the sort of traditions that we need to look towards if we're going to actually see real social transformation happen. Um, yeah, so that's absolutely. My 
Um, Alexis. Yeah, of course I agree with all of that, and that's exactly the whole point of the book. And the only thing that I would add to it is that the other thing that we're really emphasizing with this book, especially by talking about mothering um, as opposed to motherhood, is that we feel like mothering is an action that everyone can do, right? Like Maya was saying, her father was doing revolutionary mothering work when he was doing that work with the free breakfast program and the daycare program. And mothering is not only something that everybody could do, but it's something that everybody must do. Like if we're going to continue to make life possible for ourselves as a species on this planet, as opposed to extracting everything (laughs) from each other and from the planet itself and making it impossible for our species to live here, then we all have to do what we are calling in this book revolutionary mothering. Alice Walker has this um, beautiful essay that she calls democratic motherism. And when she talks about motherism, it, it is, it is that she says mothering may be an instinct, but it's also a practice. It can be mm-hmm. learned. Right. And so that those of us who, and like so as, as a person who's not a mother in the traditional sense yet, but for all of the listeners and all of the readers, the possible readers of our book who may not have identified as mothers before picking up this book. This book is really, yes, doing the work that Maya was talking about of affirming the people who already do identify in that revolutionary tradition of mothering, but it's also for people who, anybody who exists on this planet to be able to learn from the people who've been doing the most mothering work, work, the revolutionary mothers, how mothering shows up in their lives the multiple ways they've been mothered that they may not even have named or acknowledged at this point, and also how they can do the life-giving work of making community possible and how revolutionary that is. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you both, and thank, thank you, China. Uh, I hope you get to your destination. Uh, I really, really appreciate it and really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. Thanks for all the work that you're doing, and keep it up. Absolutely. This has been the How, the Why about 1888. I'm John Barrett Ingalls. The show is produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly, with production assistance by Sarah Becker. The music is Maya Lua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration, and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.